Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, in the last program we did in the Prayers to the Creator series, you covered Daniel's prayer of praise and thanksgiving in Daniel chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. Mm -hmm. As we continue in the series, where is the next prayer? Well, Scott, we're going to consider two prayers today, and they are also in Daniel. Two prayers. Sometimes you have difficulty discussing just one prayer in the time we have for the program, and you're planning on tackling two today? That's right. Is there a specific reason for this, or are they just very short? <laughs> in fact, they are short, Scott, but there is something else. They are both spoken by the same person, and surprisingly, the person is a pagan. A pagan? Why would a pagan be praying to the Creator? And I'm assuming they are praying to the true Creator, the Lord. Well, Scott, that's what we're going to be discussing. So, as I said, the two prayers are in Daniel. And if it's a pagan who's doing the praying, in other words, it's not Daniel, do you want to take a guess at whose prayer it is? Well, as I recall, in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar has a lot to say, so I'm going to guess it's King Nebuchadnezzar. Good guess, Scott. You are correct. And although his words that we're going to study are uttered on two different occasions, in fact, they were over eight years apart, hmm. I want to consider them together because they are almost one and the same prayer. The first time Nebuchadnezzar speaks to and acknowledges the Lord as creator is in chapter 4. And what he is doing is praising God for the signs and wonders he has performed for him. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar's words are recorded in Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, the king knows that God had revealed the content and interpretation of his dream to Daniel. Which saved not only Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's lives, but the lives of all the wise men of Babylon. That's right. And after Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was and its meaning, Chapter 3, verse 47 says, The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. So, what we see Nebuchadnezzar beginning to realize is, Daniel's God is superior to the other gods, and in fact, superior to the kings of the earth. Now, do you think Nebuchadnezzar even recognized that Daniel's God was superior to King Nebuchadnezzar himself? Well, I think we'll see that he struggled with that concept because the next thing he does is builds the huge golden image, which was probably an image of himself, and he commands everyone in his kingdom to fall down and worship it. So, although Nebuchadnezzar may have had an intellectual acknowledgement of the superiority of Daniel's God over other gods and even himself, he doesn't grasp the practical ramifications of that fact. However, the Lord is going to bring him around eventually, but it's going to be the hard way. So anyway, in chapter 3, we read the story of the fiery furnace and the great testimony of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who would not worship the golden image. And of course, when the Lord saves them from the fire, Nebuchadnezzar witnesses another miracle of the God of gods and Lord of kings. That is then where we read his words in Daniel 4, 1 through 3. 
Nebuchadnezzar, the king, to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language that live in all the earth. May your peace abound. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generations. Now, I know these words are addressed to the people of the world, but I think it's safe to assume that Nebuchadnezzar's thoughts are also addressed to God, and they form a prayer of praise, so to speak. Well, Dr. Scripture, I wouldn't argue with that, but I don't see where the king's acknowledgement of God as the creator fits in. Good point, Scott. And to answer that, I'm going to refer to what we talked about in our study of Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 2. And I'm not going to take the time to explain it all again. But if anyone is interested in the details, I urge them to listen to that program. It's available on the Scripture on Creation podcast. It's the program on Daniel chapter 2. And in that program, we discussed the significance of the fact that chapters 2 through 7 are in Aramaic. And the Aramaic word for a god was different than the Hebrew word. The Aramaic word was Ella, not the Hebrew term Elohim. And we also saw that in the Babylonian culture, though in their minds there were many gods or Ella, in their understanding, the Ella created the heavens and the earth. So in Daniel 4.2, when Nebuchadnezzar refers to God as the Most High God, that's the Most High Ella. In his mind, he understands that to mean the God who is the Creator. Now, Scott, read Daniel 4.2 again. It has seemed good to me to declare the signs and wonders which the Most High God has done for me. So there is a pagan king praising the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. And yet, as I pointed out, even though he acknowledged the Lord's sovereignty intellectually, he did not practically. And what we then read about in the rest of Daniel chapter 4 is the Lord teaching Nebuchadnezzar the practical reality of the Creator's sovereignty. So then, after Nebuchadnezzar delivers his proclamation acknowledging the greatness of the Most High God, that is, Ella, the Lord sends him another dream. And in this dream, the king sees a huge tree in the earth that provides all the creatures food and shelter. But then it is chopped down, leaving only a stump. So the king asks Daniel the meaning of the dream. Well, Daniel is appalled because the dream meant that the Lord was going to strike Nebuchadnezzar down for seven years. And this is what he told the king. So let's read Daniel chapter 4, verses 24 through 27. Go ahead, Scott. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High which has come upon my lord the king. That you be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place be with the beasts of the field, and you be given grass to eat like cattle, and be drenched with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time will pass over you, until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind, and bestows it on whomever he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness, and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor 
in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Okay, so now notice what this warning really is about. Even though Nebuchadnezzar may have acknowledged that Daniel's God was the creator, that the Most High was sovereign, it didn't make any difference in the king's practical behavior. Obviously, the righteous demands of the Lord were known to Nebuchadnezzar, but he did whatever he pleased anyway. So Daniel advises him to break away, in other words, repent from his sins and avoid the judgment heaven had decreed, heaven being synonymous with Elah. But Scott, how did Nebuchadnezzar respond? Well, he lasted for a year, but (laughs) obviously didn't change because the Lord did strike him down. Yes, and I think it's significant that the account points out it was a year before the judgment was passed. The Lord is patient, giving Nebuchadnezzar, giving everyone, plenty of time to repent. But he also makes it clear in his word, he's not naive. Listen to the warning of Galatians 6-7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. So, let's read what happens, Scott. Start at Daniel 4, verse 29, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Twelve months later, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. The king reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the great, which I myself have built as a royal residence, by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty. (laughs) While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven saying, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you, and you will be driven away from mankind, and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field. You will be given grass to eat like cattle, and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Immediately the word concerning Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled, and he was driven away from mankind and began eating grass like cattle, and his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven. And let me interpose there. That sounds like a prayer to me. (laughs) And my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. But he does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, What hast thou done? At that time my reason returned to me, and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty, and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are true and his ways just, and he is able to humble those who walk in pride. That was him speaking from experience. Yep. (laughs) What a magnificent prayer of praise and worship. From a man who had been a rank pagan, but the King of heaven revealed himself as such to Nebuchadnezzar, and he humbled himself before his creator. 
You see, it isn't just an intellectual acknowledgement that God expects. Lots of people have enough simple common sense to recognize there must be an all-powerful creator to account for all that we see in the heavens and the earth around us. But submitting to his righteous demands, that's very different. A person may acknowledge the Creator's sovereignty over creation, but not submit to his claims on their life. They choose to remain the king of their own life and stubbornly live by their own will. It's amazing that as great a king as Nebuchadnezzar was, he submitted to God. And in fact, there is reason to think he was regenerated based on Daniel 7.4. It's a description of Nebuchadnezzar as a winged lion, and it says this, I kept looking until its wings were plucked, and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human heart also was given to it. Hmm. Now, that reference to a human heart being given to Nebuchadnezzar may be a description of his regeneration. In other words, his salvation. But more importantly, listener, how about you? Have you been given a new heart? Are you a new creation in Christ? The Lord Jesus Christ said, you must be born again. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. And that's not what I say. That's what Scripture says.